Kimberly Hayes Day Muga. And I'm Amanda Day. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to the first season of the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. We are a dynamic duo bringing you insight and knowledge into the ever-evolving world of grants, development, and fundraising. But full disclosure, we're Southern. You're going to hear a y'all. It happens. Mm-hmm. This season is brought to you by our generous sponsor, Grant Writing USA. Grant Writing USA delivers training programs across America that dramatically enhance performance in the areas of grant writing, grants management, and grant maker research. They have coached, trained, and consulted for nearly 15,000 top-ranked organizations and more than 25,000 individual achievers from every imaginable domain, leaders of government, philanthropists, academics, outstanding nonprofit managers, top-performing staffers, and everyday heroes. Full disclosure, when we're not entertaining you, we at least hope. Oh, yes. with our podcasting adventures, we are both trainers for Grant Writing USA. At the end of this episode and throughout the season, we will be sure to let you know about upcoming offers at Grant Writing USA, just for our listeners of Fundraising Heyday. So what are we talking about today, Kimberly? We're going to be talking about the C word, the Amanda. C word. Mm-hmm. Now that could stand for a lot of things, but get your mind out the gutter. We're talking about collaboration here, particularly when it comes to fundraising and grant applications. So a couple of things to think about with collaboration is, first of all, it needs to be the real deal. We're talking about when you are partnering with other agencies and you're working together to positively benefit those that you serve. You can certainly get support letters and attaboy letters, and those are not bad for a grant application, but that's not collaboration. Collaboration means truly both of you are bringing things to the table. An important thing to remember is that foundations, corporate grant sponsors, even the federal government, your donors, they all want to see this collaboration. They want to know that you work well with your community, that you can work play nicely with others in the sandbox. That's kind of what you're showing here with that collaboration. So it's very easy to say you're going to be doing collaboration, but it can be a lot harder to do because everybody has their idea of what they want to do, what they want out of it. And it doesn't always, not everybody sees eye to eye, I guess is a good way to say. Shocking, Amanda. Everyone doesn't always see eye to eye. Even your favorite community partners, it happens that boards on one, you know, members of one board and members of another board don't always want the exact same thing out of a program. So shocking. I know. But anyway, so collaboration is the name of the game today. So before we get into the the good, the bad and the ugly of collaboration and the wonderful things of collaboration, I want to just take you back in time. So I'm going to turn to our super expensive sound engineering. <laughs> I did such a good job there, didn't I? Wow. I'm just I'm just gliding through space and time. Thank you, Amanda. Back a little bit in time, about 10 years ago, you may remember this little thing called the Great Recession. Oh, yes. And it hit, and it hit hard. And there were some things that some people thought were going to come out of it that didn't necessarily happen. And one of those things was a decrease in the number of nonprofits around. And there weren't as many mergers. Uh, There weren't as many, certainly there were nonprofits who went defunct. And again, we're just talking about how this affected nonprofits. Obviously, people suffered, lost their homes. And it was a a dark, Unemployment, yeah, lots of things going on. For many people, times have certainly changed. But I'm really wanting to stay focused on collaboration and how it affects nonprofits and agencies. The number of uh, newer nonprofits has actually rebounded 
and it didn't really dip all the way down. And now it's up. And following the last 10 years of recession and recovery, there are 1.5 million nonprofits registered in the United States. And that includes... Okay, I did not know that. And that kind of blows my mind that there are that many. It's it's true. Um, and these, of course, that's nonprofits and uh, civic leagues and others. So anyone who can register as a gotcha. nonprofit... But yeah, let's just say that 500,000 of them were not nonprofits. That's still a million nonprofits. And that's just <laughs> in the United States. That's still a lot, y'all. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yes. And so and all of these nonprofits are probably looking for donors and grants and all the things that we do to try to do fundraising. And so we're kind of competing against each other when we're not collaborating. Yes. And that's something that savvy donors and foundations and corporate foundations recognize. And it, it does make common sense if you are working together for a greater good. There's some shared costs. There's expanded reach. There are all kinds of things that can come together. Those are two fabulous buzzwords, by the way. Shared cost and expanded reach. Thank you. I worked hard on them last night. You did good. <laughs> so if we're looking at collaboration in, in our lens, which is the grant development and fundraising world, true collaborations that come together, not only are they coming together because they're attractive to donors, but really it's the right thing to do, as Amanda said earlier. It could be collaborations can make things more efficient and more efficacious, which is another fabulous word I'm glad <laughs> to say today, efficacious. Um, I'm glad you said it because I was sitting here going, I don't know how to pronounce that word. <laughs> so I'm here to help. We help each other. Absolutely. So an example of a kind of a collaboration that might really do more good in ways that uh, agencies operating singly, might not have thought of before. And I've seen this in several different communities over the years. But an, an example of an area-based collaboration where faith communities and churches and mosques and synagogues all came together to pool their resources to have a food pantry that was open more than once a week. Oh, good idea. And when I worked at the Atlanta Community Food Bank, this was something that we encouraged and something that makes a lot of sense. Then you need maybe one big giant freezer or a walk-in cooler that's housed at one place rather than everybody's there with their, you know, the grandma's freezers and they're putting stuff in there, but they only have enough volunteers to open it every other Tuesday. If everyone can come together, even if it's housed at one agency, there are more volunteers, they have more space, they can serve more people. So that's... And you're talking economies of scale, not yes. only for what you need, but also the number of people you're reaching. You're able it. to serve more people more often, which is the name of the game if you're trying to feed people in need. A larger scale collaboration that I have personally witnessed and worked through took place, uh, gosh, it doesn't matter. It was a long time ago. So Amanda's taking a <laughs> sip of water. I'm not going to make her do the dee 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 thing again. But Amanda and I are both based in the Atlanta area. And uh, back in the 90s, there were three children's hospitals here in the Atlanta area. And I was working at one of them. And two of them, including the one where I was, merged and came together. And then eventually they brought in a third hospital. And now it's all Children's Health Care of Atlanta. And the reason for doing that was talk about economies of scale. It was shared resources and admin costs on a massive scale. Mm -hmm. And sure, it was it was worry-free, and we all got through it and held <laughs> hands and sang Kumbaya under the breadfruit tree. A, a breadfruit, does that grow on trees? I, it doesn't I have matter. no idea. Anyway, 
That's really not what happened, regardless of the creation of breadfruit. It was a good merger, but there were so many moving parts. Oh, but lots so of growing pains. Yeah, yeah. So just different examples of scale gotcha. when you're thinking about collaboration. And uh, for the purposes of this podcast today, where we're just talking about kind of an overview. We want to give you some information and get you thinking and share our experiences. I'd like to sort of talk about three primary ways to collaborate. And Amanda has some great examples and of what to do and what not to do. She'll share later on. <laughs> but I just want to set the stage. Um, different ways to collaborate. The first one would be combining programs into something new with with one agency being the driver. And if you are sweet and kind and listen to this podcast, uh, you'll hear me saying, drive the car, be the driver, drive the car. <laughs> and it's because I'm from Atlanta and we drive a lot. And, that you know, generally one person drives that car or bus or train or streetcar or golf cart or whatever. Yes. One person is driving the car. That doesn't mean that I believe in a totalitarian uh, way of being. I don't, but I'm just saying when you are seeking funding or when, in some collaboration, someone in this particular model, someone does need to be the driver of the program. And we can talk more about that later on about what happens when the wrong driver drives the program or when there's no driver and the program careens madly around and doesn't do what it says it's going to do. Well, and I would say too, like when you do something like that, you know, you're right. One person needs to be in charge, but if your agency takes the lead the first time around, that doesn't mean that from here on out, True. you are always the True. lead. It's if you've got some great community partners, you can certainly shift, you know, from application to application or program to program and kind of take turns taking the lead. So one agency isn't taking the brunt of the work. Um, but yeah, somebody needs to be in charge because at the end of the day, funders don't want to deal with 12 different agencies. They love for y'all to work together, but they're going to tell you, pick a lead and that's who we interact with. So, well, and you kind of have to pick a lead at yes. least financially, if nothing else, because mm -hmm. that per that agency would be called the fiscal agent, which is the, the agency that holds the money yes. and distributes the money and tracks the money. So you are forced into choosing your financial driver for good reason. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe an example of uh, what I'm talking about, combining programs into something new with one driver would be maybe there's a nature center that wants to reach more kids. Mm -hmm. And then they're four or five after school programs within a five mile radius of the nature center. Then they might be the driver to collaborate and offer programming in the after school programs of maybe some field trips or something, you know, so but yes. they're like driving that car of that, that environmental education program. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Working with the school system or daycares or yeah, whoever the YMCA that's got an after school program. So I'm not going to sing the song, but I'm singing it in my oh. mind right now. <laughs> I can't wait till she breaks out to the letter dances. It's going to happen. Anyway. I can feel it. Um, and the sharing admin resources, like Amanda talked about, I feel like the example of the pediatric hospitals merging in Atlanta, that was, that's a prime example of sharing resources. But there was one, there was one hospital that sort of took the lead in that, in that merger situation. So, but again, sharing resources. And a final way to look at collaboration 
under the lens again of fundraising and grant development is being equal partners in fundraising where you're you're both trying to raise money for the same thing that you might share. So an, an example of that would be could be if two nonprofits are looking to share a building. You know, maybe it's used during the week for job training and on the weekends for arts and entertainment or something, but they, they're coming together to raise money for something that'll be a shared purpose. And a smaller version of that might be the same food pantries that they don't need a van all the time, but if they bought a van between the, the two of them or the three or four of them, then they can share it. So it's a shared resource that they're all raising money towards. So sort of three different models that are things that I have seen and things that Amanda have seen mm-hmm. in terms of collaboration and ways and ways to think about it. One good example, too, just collaboration in general. When I worked in a city government, we um, finally realized that, you know, all of us cities that were in the side the same county, we could all go for the exact same grants and compete against each other. And then maybe one or two of us might get the funding um, or we could think about times when we had like minded interests mm-hmm. and all go for that one application. Now, not, not a guarantee that we're going to get it every time, but that way we're all coming together rather than competing against one another and have found that sometimes that led to greater success for all of us. I have, a, like that. I have a sidebar. Do we have a sound for sidebar alert? What would that sound like? Oh, we have to make that up. Beanie, oh. <laughs> beanie, sidebar alert. She's taking a sidebar. Watch out. <laughs> so here's my sidebar alert. Um, you can also collaborate with yourself. And I know that sounds weird and vaguely illegal. I'm giving you an I'm odd st- look because I'm like, uh. <laughs> where is she going? <laughs> I will offer an example of, it's not collaboration, but it's more sort of don't compete against yourself. When Amanda was talking about, hey, these different organizations all come together for the same thing. I was in a technical training several years ago where an organization asked if they could submit two different grants for the same grant cycle from the same organization. That's not collaboration. I mean, you can't really collaborate with yourself. That's kind of competing against yourself. And That's just not something that I feel like is really a good use of your time. Yeah. I bet that happens a lot, especially at larger agencies that don't have any sort of formal grant application process, like approval process, that you have multiple departments going against the same funding source and really competing against themselves rather than... Yeah, not good. You know, and sometimes it's you may be able to collaborate and do a joint project, or maybe it comes down to which one of those projects is needed more or has a better chance of being funded. Oh, and that's when someone who drives the car has to make the call sometimes. Absolutely. That's when it happens. That's when it happens. So, so we've talked about and had an interesting sidebar and side effect. Um, sound effects. Sound effects of yes. the side effect of the sidebar. <laughs> And Amanda is going to take over and talk about what collaboration isn't. Yes. So this is kind of hinted at earlier, but certainly mass produced letters of support. And like I said, letters of support, letters of endorsement for your program, they certainly have a place inside every application that you're submitting because it's letting the community, you know, the funder understands that your community is in support of the work you're trying to do, which is a fabulous thing. But that is not collaboration because they're, you know, collaboration means everybody is bringing something to the table. It's like a, a Yelp interview of a restaurant is is sort of an online letter of support unless someone weirded out or got bad service or was just having a bad day or didn't realize that it was all meat and they were vegetarian. 
But that's not the same as collaboration. That is a review of support or lack of support. So same rules apply. Yep. So when it comes to collaboration, it definitely needs to be that both or however many entities, everybody should have some skin in the game. So collaboration means you are actually doing something. You're not just standing there with your hand out. Another example of what it isn't is that cocktail chatter or empty promises. You know, how many times have you heard someone, oh, yeah, we'd love to help you. But then when it's time to write the check, nobody's signing that check. Or even time to sit down and put pen to paper and do a budget together. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, oh, that would be great. We can totally do that. We're going to do that. Then it's like, oh, but we're busy this week or next week or the week after, or it just never pans out. That's really not collaboration either. Another thing that's not collaboration, and I've got a good specific example of this, is claiming someone is your partner because you know if you get the grant, they're going to be so on board after the fact. So you're just going to go ahead and say you're working together and you'll, you'll figure out the details later. That's a big no-no. Oh. Um, my example of that, there was a, uh, a city that was wanting to build a community garden alongside a, let's just say, a train stop at a, a mass transit location. And so they said that that Ooh, mass girl, you're transit so, you're so agency, clever. You're so clever. that mass transit agency obviously is going to be a partner because we're using their land and their space to build this community garden, which really is a lovely and beautiful idea mm-hmm. because, if you know, community gardens are great if you have space where you live, but if not, how are you going to get to one? Well, hey, you can hop on the train and get there. It's a fabulous idea. But they never talked to the transit agency. And the transit agency, they found out about this when the grant got awarded and the funder called them up and said, we are so excited you're partnering with such and such city on this project. And the transit agency was like, we're what? What are you talking about? And they're like, it would have been a project I think they would have been on board with, but you've got to ask permission ahead of time. So yeah, don't claim collaborations where you haven't talked to the potential collaborator yet. I'm going to keep flogging that driving the car metaphor. Go for it. That's like you were driving the car, but your collaborator was locked in the trunk, blindfolded <laughs> and gagged, which I don't know, is really not a good way to do business. No, no I don't think It's so. not a, a good way to ensure that they are collaborative, supportive partners. It's, it's more of a law-breaking FBI involvement uh, kidnapping scenario. There you basically. go. Okay, so how do we avoid those types of scenarios, Kimberly? What can we do to make collaborations work? Well, Amanda, I happen to have five tips for success. And you happen to have some stories. So together, we feel like we've got some ideas that can help folks out there collaborating. Remember, true collaboration, trying to find partners in service of what it is you want to do versus... Oh, look, there's money. Uh, yeah, we'll sure. make up something. It'll be great. Nobody, yeah, it's all good. No, that's that's not really what we're talking about. You could choose to do business that way. You could choose to drive a car with a friend of yours in the trunk of your car. That's between you and your friend. <laughs> but that is not what we're talking about. So let me get uh, back into some tips for success. And um, tip number one, yeah, get it in writing. Okay, yes. you don't have to use like like a quill and parchment <laughs> paper, uh, a good solid email trail, some shared Dropbox files, or contracts or memorandums of understanding. Oh yeah, that MOU is that, that's what I like to have because it's it specifically spells out who's doing what, who's going to receive what, and everybody signs it, so everybody should be happy with the end result. 
Theoretically. Yes. Nothing's perfect. In other episodes and through Grant Writing USA's Grant Management class, you'll hear all about reporting and the importance of it and the importance of doing what you say you're going to do. But if you get it in writing first, that informs what Absolutely. it is you're going to do and how even how to track it and how to think about it. Yep. And I think a good example of that was just that story I told about the community garden and the transit station. Certainly the smart way to go would to be have done that ahead of time. Now, I will say, too, the best way to get those community partners and get those MOUs signed, you don't get to go, oh, here's a great grant opportunity. You know, I've never spoken with that transit authority in my life, but I'm sure within 30 days we can nail everything out and they will be an onboard partner. No problem. You know, when you're when we're talking about partnerships and getting MOU signed, you need to already have an established relationship with them, which is why you don't wait till that grant comes out. You need to be out and about in the community, whether it's you as the grant person or whether board members or a development officer, somebody needs to be meeting the community and engaging with them and mm-hmm. finding ways to partnership long before that grant opportunity comes along, or else you're just not going to have the time to get an MOU figured out because you're not going to be comfortable with one another. Well, it's like if you're seeking a partner in life, if that's what you're seeking. Yes. If that's what you're seeking. If you're not swiping left and right to (laughs) have a fun night, which is... This is not the show. Who knew Tinder was going to come up on a grant podcast? Who knew? I it's love just, you, Kimberly. Thank you. Back at you. <laughs> but Amanda and I have built our collaborative partnership over years of knowing each other, which is oh, why yes. she doesn't freak out when all of a sudden I start talking about Tinder or whatever. Exactly. It's, um, so we're talking about collaborative partnerships. It's building. It's based on trust. It's based on connection. And to really not only to get the money, because we want you to get the money to serve the people and companies and corporations and communities and dogs and cats and creeks and rivers and whatever it is that you're serving. We want you to do that. We want you to collaborate, but it needs to just, it needs to be done the right way. Absolutely. It needs to be done the right way. Okay. So what else should we do to be successful, Kimberly? I'm thinking of another sound effect now. I'm looking at Amanda. It's, it's sort of a mysterious kind of sinister kind of, Ooh, ha, ha, ha. That was really bad. <laughs> I'm asking you to consider lying. And dun, I, and dun, I'm, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's lying. But I'm going to tell you why. But it's for a very good reason. <laughs> it's contextual. Yes. Whatever higher power you're, you believe in is probably looking down and being very disappointed in me right now. And, but let me explain. Let me put it into context. When you are collaborating and you're, you're moving forward and you're ready to seek that funding and you're working on that grant application. Amanda has lots of experience working with federal applications, which can be long and ornery and, and persnickety. And I have lots of experience working with private and corporate foundations where the same can be true or it could be a letter or a conversation. But the point is you need information when you need it. And you might just want to prevaricate slightly about the ultimate deadline oh yeah i never tell anybody that i give them my deadline mm-hmm. and but they don't need to know when the grants do because people then will wait till that day to give you stuff and that's not enough time to include documentation wording phrasing letters in an application the day it's due so they, we're not lying we're just giving them an internal deadline oh i feel somehow absolved there you go i feel like maybe it's more an omission omit the final deadline and put in a series of deadlines for information that that makes sense for you but more importantly ensures wiggle room yes we're wiggling right now um you want some wiggle room for a couple of different reasons super quick 
you, you don't want to, if it's an online portal for your grant application and it's a due at five and at three, you've just gotten all the information and you're starting to put in, you're thinking, what could possibly go wrong? Oh, so many things. The, the power, power goes, goes out. Because <laughs> that's never happened before, right? It's never happened. That's why, no, we just burst out with that because that's never happened before. Or the portal goes down on the other end because so many people are trying to access it. Just waiting to the last minute is, is not ideal. Uh, full disclosure, I have done things in grant applications at the last minute because life. But we try to avoid try that. Try to avoid it, and especially when you're collaborating. It's just, it's not, not good. So, yeah, maybe we'll call it blur those deadlines. Set internal and external deadlines. That kind of gets me away from the lie to your collaborative partners because that's not a feel good. No. Okay. Yeah. Internal deadlines. That's what it is. That's what it is, really. Okay. okay. Along those lines, document everything. I've got a good example there. We had a, um, a partner um, on a, uh, it was a county grant program actually that we were doing and um, we had documented, you know, who was going to be responsible for what through our MOU, which is a great way to do it. Um, but it's not just documenting that, documenting when our partner was late. Lots of information for reports. We were, as the fiscal agent, we were ultimately responsible for submitting everything. And it would be time to submit uh. A, uh, one of our reports. And I had no word. And I'd call and I'd call and I'd email. And they'd eventually get back to me, usually a week later. Um, so half the time, I'm submitting reports with half information because uh. I didn't have it all. And then I'd have to come back. I documented all of that. So number one, it helped us make a decision that this is why we're not partnering with that agency the next yeah. time. And let me tell you, some powers that be were quite upset that we didn't partner with them again, mostly you know, their board were yelling at my board because of it. Um, but it was, it was easy for me to explain why that was not a good decision in the long run for our agency because kind of and, they were. And you had documented that. You, you had instances of, hey, had to wait a week for that. And I, I don't think it was like some sort of like official, like, you know, like in Raiders of the Lost Ark where they have that <laughs> huge warehouse at the end and they yes. store the Ark of the Covenant in some government thing, archive, and there's some like piece of paper. Uh huh. It probably wasn't that kind of documentation. No, we're, we're talking emails yeah. and paper trail. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Yep. So, but yeah, talk, document. And I would say on the flip side, too, you have a great partnership. You want to document that, too, because mm -hmm. that's your reason to continue to that's work right. with them if other people aren't quite seeing the benefits of it. That's right. So we've talked about get things in writing, blur or omit or perhaps lie if you just our evil black-hearted person um <laughs> document everything but also tip number four about being successful in a collaboration sounds antithetical but here it is is you just need to prepare for things for pitfalls for things to not go exactly right we've gone over several examples so far but i think the important thing to remember in a collaboration i think it could be said for just programs in general that a lot of things will go right but some things are just going to go wrong because people and life in general. Life. It's, how, it's how things work, right? Yeah, Nothing priorities. is perfect. Just know, and, and you can have all your documentation. You could have the giant government warehouse archiving the, the You could Ark be of the, the best grants administrator on the face of the planet. Stuff's just going to go wrong sometimes. And so mm -hmm. you just have to kind of sit with it. So that's your 
That's your Zen moment for today. Sit with it in collaboration. Things will go wrong. Things will go right. But by and large, you're hoping for that moving together toward a, a really positive transformational outcome for whoever or whatever it is you're trying to serve. And so Amanda touched a little bit on tip number five, top five tips for success in collaboration is recognizing and acknowledging. It seems so elemental, but you know, it's just something that so many, it's hard to remember to do because for us, the struggle a lot of times is, oh my God, find the money, find the money, get the money, get the money, spend the money, spend the money. But there's repeat, a repeat, 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 <laughs> but we're missing something in that little strange little thing we just did together, that chanting thing. And that is acknowledging not only the, the people who gave you the money, because a person made that decision, you know, it wasn't some corporate sentient being it was a person or a program officer or a board member or whoever it was made that decision or a major donor giving credit where credit's due and also especially if your collaborating partner or partners are, are coming through and just doing everything and exceeding expectations sing their praises it can be through your email newsletter you could make a thank you video they're all kinds of things pies sometimes well, Amanda bakes pies. I can tell you where to buy some good pies, or I can tell you to talk to Amanda. But absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. They're just, and It never hurts to be kind, because you want to work with them again, and plus, why it, wouldn't you? It also makes you feel good to do yeah. that. Like, it would make me feel really good to eat one of Amanda's pies right now. But no, no, seriously. Next recording. Though. I know what I'm bringing. <laughs> so... Talking about the success, talking about success stories from the collaboration, really holding up your partner or partners and funder to let the world know it's not only a feel good thing to do and the right thing to do, but it can also help stimulate more ideas, more things happening in the community. It can lift you up and your organization up for more funding to make more positive changes. So I told you five, but because because we love y'all. We do. We don't know exactly who you are yet, <laughs> but we know you and love you and want you to succeed. We're going to offer bonus round tip for success. Number six, choose wisely. Oh my gosh. I'm feeling another like Indiana Jones reference coming on, but I'm going to step back. But you know, the one where he's there, where he's like choosing the grail, right? Yes. Which one is that? And it says choose wisely. wisely. And he chooses the simple wooden one because it was made by a carpenter. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you want to choose wisely. You I feel want like to... I know what you did this weekend. And I did it. I haven't seen these movies in such a long time. I don't I don't know where this comes from. I just appreciate that it appears. The important point in all of this is not my mental workings, which may be kind of frightening. Um, it's about choosing wisely in your collaborative partners and not chasing money and partners just because there could be an opportunity. It's looking, you know, like Amanda talked about earlier, getting out there ahead of time, seeing who your potential partners might be, and 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 starting there, letting what you want to do to better serve the community drive the collaboration and not the search for an elusive check drive the collaboration is basically... Bonus Absolutely. round, point number six. I like it. Lots of good topics on collaboration today. So I hope you all enjoyed it. I have it. to say one more thing. Oh, go right ahead. We always have extra nuggets that pop into our head. So 
we talked about some things and collaborations that have gone wrong. Yes. Right. Two or three, more than two or three. I wanted to take a quick hot second to talk about a collaboration I was involved in that went right. Absolutely. I call this the case of the arranged collaboration, um, which is a little <laughs> unusual. There was a grant. It was a sort of a program called Building Communities Network, and it was sponsored by the Home Depot Foundation. I believe they're still doing it. They brought together people who had received funding nonprofits who had received funding from the Home Depot Foundation and asked them to collaborate. So this was a little bit different scenario. So it was sort of like an arranged collaboration. That yeah, sort you of didn't that, find or, your partner. Your funder found your partner, well, kind of, they sort, sort of. of gave you a list of partners okay. to try and create something. And so... Um, Speed I was, dating. No? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Speed dating, where everyone's kind of already had a criminal background check. Yeah, I'm just, just going to step away from that. So anyway, I was the development director for the Fraser Center, which provides part of what they provide. One of their programs it revolves around better serving adults with developmental disabilities, whether it's supported employment or job training or community access. Okay. And so... Part of that is is finding quality community outings and activities for adults with developmental disabilities. So I'm looking down this list because my job yes. and um, the, the Atlanta Ballet was on the list. And I thought about that and thought about here's a, a, the oldest ballet company in the United States, super well-respected. They have community studios. They want to reach out to different kinds of um, communities for people to take their classes, attend their ballets, and and and, and different appreciate kinds of the art, huh? So, so this was a little bit more of an arranged thing, but I was able to have that conversation, make my case with the Atlanta Ballet folks, and they we all then we we sat down and worked together and collaborated, and then did actually receive funding to fund our program. And so uh, adults were able to go to Atlanta Ballet's community studios, which they have around the city, um, and take all kinds of dance classes. The Fraser Center was able to get a van to help us not only transport our participants back and forth to classes, but to use in other ways. The Atlanta Ballet was able to get some more volunteers from our adult participants in their costume shop. And there was there was some performances and other cross collaborations. So it took MOUs, it took lots of talking and meeting and emails and documentation. And there were some things that weren't quite right, like we thought we needed to have shoes, so we put this in the budget and we didn't. But it's all good. So we can we're able to redirect the money. But my point is it was it was a collaboration with a shared vision that has turned into something really cool. For the community. Well, that is, not only that, I think it talks, it, it kind of is a great example in the fact that don't just think of your like-minded partners. Like it has to, I, I'm a, I'm a nonprofit who works in um, trying to help find a cure for childhood cancer. So of course I'm going to reach out to other cancer institutes and hospitals and doctors, but yeah. think outside the box because who would have ever thought a program with, you know, developmentally delayed adults and to mm -hmm. partner with the Atlanta Ballet. Like that's was not something that would ever come right to mind, but what a beautiful thing. So Thanks. Be, it was be creative. That's right. Creative, that's yes. right. Speaking of collaboration. Okay. We want to thank our sponsor for season one of Fundraising Heyday, and that is Grant Writing USA. For intensive two-day workshops taught in all 50 states on grant writing and grant management, visit grantwritingusa.com for more information or to register. Want to host a class or have a class tailored to your agency or nonprofit? 
they do that too. Absolutely. Full disclosure. We both train for them, so we're yeah. a little fond of the company. Yeah. But and to be fair too, way back when when I first fell into grants, that was the first training course I took. So we uh, I've benefited from them for a lot of things. And be sure to listen to our next episode of Fundraising Heyday about DAF, OMG, WTF. Okay, it's donor advised funds. I've pushed the limits of my slang. (laughs) So thanks for listening. Remember, there is no specific college degree in grant writing or fundraising, but there are a lot of good people with experience to share, training programs, and other ways to learn. Kimberly and I would love for this podcast to be one of your favorite ways to learn. Absolutely. Thanks, y'all.